going here. There we are. All right. Not sure if it's on here. Building courage through obedience. Um, if you've been here the last three weeks, you would have noticed that uh, courage uh, is kind of like a theme that we're just standing on. When we, we had uh, the official church launch, we had Wilma Ray come and um, preach. And one of the key uh, topics or themes that he, he touched on was having courage and that uh, oftentimes as we start out in, uh, in a church plant, courage is needed. Christians of old were martyred for their faith. Um, uh, this Bible that many of you have in your hand, it came through literally blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, people gave their lives so that it might be um, written, that it might be kept, that it might be printed, that it might be preserved. And, and so the things of the Christian life that we in our day and age have so easy or uh, just take for granted did not come that way. Uh, and we need to make sure that we, we remind ourselves of that because uh, otherwise we get blasé about it. You know, we get familiar with it. And when we are familiar with something, uh, we familiarize, we actually... Um, uh, neutralize the impact of that person or that thing in our lives. If I can just ask you, how many of you drove this morning and how many of you saw the mountains and acknowledged and say, oh, Lord. Now, how many of you just drove just to get to the church, you know, and, and, and kind of quiet, you know, and, but probably when you came in to Paul, when you just moved to Paul or when you had time to just consider, Paul, you were away on holiday and you came back into Paul, the mountain's like, ah, oh, you better go, we're back. You know, and, and, and you appreciate it, you, you acknowledge it for what it is. And, and oftentimes we do that in our Christian life with the things of Bible or people in our lives, gifts and things. We get so familiar with it that we just, it's just part of the background noise. And we don't go, ah. Oh, we acknowledge it for what it is or who it is. And so when uh, we've got to acknowledge what God is busy doing and, uh, and, and, and see it for, for, for what it is. And this morning I want to touch on how God builds courage in our lives. And it's through obedience. It's through taking that little thing, bending the knee, giving your life to the Lord and saying, I surrender. And it seems little, it seems insignificant but it's a big thing. And when we do that, God actually builds courage in us for the next thing. If uh, Joshua is often a name that comes up when we think of courage, you know, the, um, uh, God spoke to him and said, be of courage, don't fear, but have courage. And as you lead the people into the promised land. But I want to tell you that uh, Joshua didn't just all of a sudden start becoming the leader of the nation and now had courage. He was a warrior in the, in the army of the Lord. In fact, while um, Moses was keeping his hands, or his hands were being kept up on the mountain, Joshua was fighting downstairs with the enemy. 
And so Joshua was not some, you know, kind of just willy-nilly kind of guy. He was a warrior. And he had battles in his past. He had battles that he has fought and won. And some that he lost and he had to fight again. Later on, he walked with Moses and he went up the mountain. Um, and I can't go into all the details of this now, but Mo, uh, uh, Joshua was the one that, that stayed with Moses as he spent time with God. And then the Bible actually says that uh, Moses at times would go out of the, the tent and go speak to the people. And who would stay behind? Joshua. Joshua knew the presence of God. And so his courage was built not just by, you know, one day God says you must take the people. into. He was faithful to God and he was obedient to God. David, David, as we know, Goliath, he had to go and fight Goliath as a young man. He was the small, and I mean, David, uh, Goliath called him, what's this dog that wants to come and, you know, nip at my ankles almost. Uh, but David, while he was a shepherd boy and nobody saw him, he had to fight a lion and a bear. And when he faced Goliath, he said, the God who helped me against the lion and the bear will help me against you. And so you can see a building of faithful, a building of courage, a building process of how God works with us. Jesus. Because Jesus was human in the sense when he, was, when he walked on earth. He was a man. And he had to be faithful and obey God, the Father. In fact, in Hebrews, the Bible says that he was obedient. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. There were moments where he, in some sense, suffered, and he was confronted with, with things where he wanted to go another way, but he was obedient to the Father. So I like to say he lived a crucified life before he died on the cross. What I mean by that is when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus wasn't just saying it to the other people. He wasn't just saying, bend your knees to God. No, he was saying, I have taken up my cross and followed God until the day that he was literally crucified. But Jesus had to choose the Father's will against his own will. He had to choose the, the Father's will against the people's will. Some said, no, man, you don't have to be crucified. No, don't that. But Jesus knew. And so he was faithful, and it was building courage. It was building faithfulness to the place where he could be crucified, because I tell you, it was no easy thing. For Jesus, he was sweating blood. That means you are under extreme pressure. It can happen, but very few of us have had that. The end of month, can't pay your gym fees, or, you know, maybe this or that. That's nowhere near what he went through. And so some of our, our, our uh, sufferings, and I know some of you experience it intensely and so, but, you know, when my boy doesn't get his second ice lolly on a hot summer's day, you think it's the end of the world, the way he's going on. And the anxiety, and the, oh, it's so bad. You know, why did, right? in, in, in relation to the big world, it's very small. And sometimes our, our stuff are like that to God. It's like, oh, it's just a little tantrum now. We've got to find His will. We've got to find what is God saying. And I want to, this morning, touch on one aspect of our Christian life as a step of obedience to help build a courageous life. 
that will help you as one step forward in walking with Jesus. It's a journey. It takes time. And it's a life that needs to be built, but it gets built one step at a time. Bible says in Luke, 5, Luke 6, verse 47, don't have it up there. You can read it or take a note. It says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the, streams, uh, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. In other words, the life that God wants to build in, in you must be a strong life. Must be a life that can stand the test of time. Must be a life that when the storms of life come, you are standing. And that doesn't just happen as a gift that falls on you. It happens through decisions we make when we hear his voice and we do what he says. It gets built strong. So how do we do that? And uh, we want to look at this morning at the believer's baptism. As a thing that Jesus says that we can do and as a step closer to a courageous life. Now, for some of you, I don't know everyone that close. I might step on your toes as well as you are trying to make your step forward. I might come a little bit close because probably like me, your parents made a promise when you were little and you got baptized, christened or so in the church, they promised that they would raise you in the ways of the Lord. And they did their best. And so that for you was a baptism. It's gedoop. And yet your doop name. You've got specific names that come with that. And that's how we speak. But I this morning want us to look at the life of a disciple and a Christian. I want us to look at the scriptures. What does the Bible say? And how can we build our life through what Jesus said in the Bible, what the Bible says, so that we can stand strong in the world? Because each one of us need to follow him. Step by step. All right? For those of you who know this, you've already, you already have a big baptism. I don't know. <laughs> I want, to, want you this morning to consider and to listen, not just for yourself, but for those around you. Because every disciple, every follower of Jesus can help others to follow Jesus. And this is a step. And this is a way how we help others follow. So I want you to listen, to be equipped, and to get the scriptures and the questions that you can so that you can go to your colleague, your neighbor, maybe a family member or so that's asking about baptism. Because many of you know, in the families, in the, in the friendship circles, this one is a hot topic. After three beers, it, gets a hot, it becomes a hotter topic. And then we start speaking. And then that guy, that he's baptized in vodka and this and that and other. But, you know, he's got all the different stories about it. So we want to look at the believer's baptism. I do want to say, I don't believe in grootwip. All right. We're looking at the baptism of the believer. Believer's baptism. All right. Maybe some of you just as a, I don't know if you can see that picture. He's in the Roman Catholic Church, the little baby saying, I'm an atheist. 
Now, I'm, I'm, I'm using this as jokingly because I want to start off that when we say believer's baptism, it's important that you look at you are a believer when you get baptized. And as we look at baptism, it is a sign of a believer. If you're not a believer, then maybe you get sprinkled with water also. All right. So let's get. I want to inform you this morning. I want to give you some knowledge. I want to convince you if maybe you've not been baptized as a believer, I do want to convince you. So I have an agenda. That's my aim, okay? Uh, and I want you to know if as, as spiritual leaders, as, as Christian leaders in this church, we don't just want to stand here on Sundays, maybe help you sing a little louder. You know, maybe, maybe want you to help you to give more finances. Or, we don't want to do that. We want to lead you spiritually, and that means we want to lead you in obedience to Jesus. It might end up in a bigger church. It might end up in having all sorts of stuff, but that's not the main aim. The main aim is that you follow Jesus and that we together follow Jesus, and we come into your life, and we scratch, and we step on toes sometimes, or we take the hand, and we say, come, this way is what the Scriptures are saying. Because the Bible is like a light. The Bible says it's, the Word of God is like a lamp to our feet. So we are saying, here's the lamp. Let's follow the lamp. Let's follow. We don't see everything, but we see the next step. All right. So I want to convince you, and those of you who know what this is all about, I want to equip you. I want to give you some handles. Hopefully this morning it's going to be simple enough that you can just take it, say, hey, tomorrow that friend of mine or that family member, yeah, I want to sit with you. Let me just quickly explain to you. Right, so I'm going to run through a number of scriptures. I'm going to kind of be quick, so you write down the scripture references. And then we're going to, at the end, I'm going to bring it together. And then I'm going to ask, who wants to be baptized? I've got to pull it on. Are we ready? Okay. It's got a natural color. Dirk asked me the other day, what color is your pool? I said, natural. Got a slight tint of green. <laughs> but that shouldn't put you off. It's nice and clean. All right. Here we go. So why do we baptize? These are some of the questions that we're going to answer. Why do we baptize? Who do we baptize? When do we baptize? Who can baptize? Where do we baptize? And how do we baptize? Maybe the how do we baptize, I won't get into so much. But they, these are the questions. Two, four, what's it? Six questions for you to answer and to help us step forward. So here we go. We look at Jesus. We want to look at Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 3, verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he, that's John, allowed him. All right? So what's happening here? Uh, Jesus comes, and you must remember, as we spoke earlier, Jesus comes to identify with mankind. John at an, at an earlier stage said, Look, behold, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And what Jesus comes is he comes to give us not just a life in a sense of here's a gift of life 
um, in, in, uh, in salvation. He says, he comes to give us an, a life as an example. How to live. Now, it doesn't mean that we're all going to take sandals and wear like long hair and be like Jewish, look like Jew. No, but he, he gives us an example on how to follow God. One of the things is, he says, this is right. I need to go through the same process, the same life stages, in a sense, as you. And I need to be baptized. We will be baptized as a, as a cleansing of sin. But his baptism was one of identifying with us, saying this is righteousness. Not that he needed righteousness, but it was the right thing to do. And so Jesus is baptized. The one that we call Lord, the one who we bow our knee to, the one who we follow, whose disciples we are, he was baptized. Then we look at Jesus and his disciples, and we see in John 3 verse 22, it says, after these things, and his, and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, I'm taking different scriptures. You can go and read around those portions. But here we see that Jesus and his disciples, they went and baptized. In John 4, verse 1 and 2, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had uh, heard that Jesus uh, made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. Okay, so now here in this instance, we see that not only did Jesus now baptize, his disciples baptized. Okay, so can you see the progression? It's quite a logic one. We see Jesus being baptized. We see, it seems that like Jesus and the disciples baptized, his disciples baptized. We go on and we see when Jesus, one of the last things that he said to his disciples, and for that matter to us, he gives them a command or a commission. He says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, all languages. And how do we do that? By baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Right? Important there. Not just teaching them all the commands. Teaching them to observe or to obey that which I have commanded. And know, or and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, Jesus did it. Jesus in the 12, or Jesus was baptized. Jesus in the 12 did it. Seems like his disciples, be it the 12, or maybe more did it. And now he says, you go do it. Interesting, this one that I saw in Luke 7, verse 29 to 30. It says, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just. Having been baptized with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. I'm like, yo, Lord, it seems like it was your purpose to be baptized. And John came and he, he, he came as a, in, in the sense of being uh, baptizing the people as a sign of the remission of sins. And these said, no, we don't need to. 
And because of a simple and maybe even offensive act like that, they rejected the purposes of God. I don't want us to reject the purpose of God. And then we see in the early church, as, we, as the gospel of Jesus was now, he died, he was resurrected, he ascended to, to heaven, and he left us as his people to continue. And, and uh, they are preaching, this is just after the Holy Spirit is poured out, people are praying in tongues, and uh, Peter stood up and he, he, he preached the gospel and said, about Jesus, forgiveness of sin, and the people then respond. It says, then Peter said to them, they respond and said, what must we do if we want to respond to this message of the gospel? Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says, this is the response to the gospel. This is the response to your bowing of the knee and saying, Lord, you can have my life. First step, repent and be baptized. We've got uh, Sean and Zana's little uh, baby girl, Lilia. We got a little video clip of just her first steps. You know, she gets up and now she goes her first steps. And she can't walk the full, she can't run 100 meters. She's not mature in the sense of making responsible decisions about, you know, what insurance to take and stuff like that. That's not, she's got her dad to help her with that. But, but she can take a first step. And this is what baptism is, first step. You don't need to be mature. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to follow Jesus. Acts 2 verse 41, it says, And then those who gladly received his word, the message of Jesus, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I'm going to read another account, just a few accounts. And when Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, This is now Paul, who was Saul beforehand. He persecuted the church. Paul wrote most of the New Testament that you have there. It says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. And we see the followers of Jesus this is the course of action. This is the first steps as we reach out to our Father and we, we take our first steps. Repent, be baptized. Peter went to a man's house where it seemed that they, were, they wanted to hear the gospel. And it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Wow, he commanded them to be baptized. <laughs> he says, if you're a Christian, be baptized. I don't know if you heard last week when we touched on the communion. 
But I said there in the early church, if you read some of the, the documents and the writings of the early church fathers, that's now 100 uh, after Christ, 200 after Christ, when the church was, was uh, you know, in some sense still very pure. Not many other doctrines have come in. You see that they would not allow people who weren't baptized to partake of the communion. If you haven't been baptized, it means that you have not given yourself completely. You are not following Jesus. So this is quite strong words. But I do want you to consider seriously, what is the Lord speaking into your heart through the scriptures right now? Not just what is your tradition, what is our culture, what did uh, our, our grandparents or what did this one tell us or that one. What is Jesus speaking to you by His Spirit? And so as we look at the, at the, the baptism, it is this celebration of God's grace. It means that we as Jesus identified with us in his baptism, we now get an opportunity to identify with him. It is a symbol, it is a sign where we say, we have died with Jesus and we rise up with Jesus. We, are, we were dead in our trespasses, we have been washed by him and we rise up in a newness of life. Not just an add-on, it's a new life. It's new in nature, it's new in character, it's new. So we celebrate God's grace. Thank you, Lord, that we can have life. It's an illustration of the gospel. You see people go down, you know. That means Jesus was dead and buried. He comes up or she comes up, Jesus was raised from the dead and we are raised with him. It's an illustration. It shows what has happened. And it's a declaration of God's glory. I don't know how many of you have experienced, but as, a, as we experience God, it's that, that, yes, Lord, I have been raised up by you. I can't do it in my own. But you have done something beautiful. Barry, do you want to maybe just come up and share your story for a moment of how he was baptized? Cool, hi. Um, <clears throat> so I got saved about 12, 13 years or so ago. Um, before, we, before we joined Josh, Jen, we were, a lot of us were part of a congregation called First Love Church. So all of this played out there. And so basically what happened was I... Um, I was visiting our congregation back then for about four weeks, and I wasn't saved. I grew up, my dad was in Achies, Germany, so I sort of knew about God, but I wasn't saved at all. Um, so how I got there is a story for a different day, but I, I ended up in First Love Church. I was there for about four weeks, and on the fourth week, Ruan still preached. I can't remember what it was about, but he, in the middle of the preach, he was sharing, he was basically doing an altar call, so he was asking people to respond to the gospel because he felt in the spirit that there was someone who needed to respond. I felt I had to respond, but I couldn't muster up the courage to do so. I, I just, I mean, it takes a lot to put up your hand when no one else is doing it. So eventually, long story short, I, I sort of after celebration, um, you know, there was actually people being baptized. We had a fountain and we just like baptized people solidly in that fountain. Um, so I went home because I, I just didn't have the guts to speak to him. 
But on my way home, I felt this, this tugging at my heart. And I mean, you don't have the vocabulary to explain what's going on. Now I know, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit who was drawing me and who was calling me to respond. But I just, I just didn't have the guts. But as I was driving home, I just felt this thing. I couldn't shake this feeling. So I turned the car around, went back to church, and I, and I sort of grabbed Ron, took him to the side, and I just basically tried to explain what was going on in my heart. I didn't even know. I just felt I had to speak to him. Um, sort of, I came out of a lot of chacha stuff, so there was a lot of things that I, that I had to deal with. Anyway, so I spoke to him, and he prayed with me, and um, you know, immediately, so I gave my heart to the Lord, and Ruan led me in that, and immediately I felt there was a, an overwhelming sense of just God's goodness and His forgiveness. It was like, you know, it sounds cliche, but the slate was wiped completely clean, and I could feel it. I experienced it, and um, while we were busy with this, again, people were getting baptized in the fountain, and so Ruan said, well, like, I mean, I, I can't remember what his words was, but it came down to the single, well, the next step is, you know, you need to get baptized, and he quickly, like, briefly explained to me, this is, this is what needs to happen next. And I was so overwhelmed with just, again, God's goodness that I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's get it done now. Um, so I was uh, sort of next in line with the baptism. And the way we normally do it is we, we as, as yeah, talking about us as a congregation, I, when we baptize people, we pray with them and we celebrate it with them because it is, it's, 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 it's us, you know, it's family. So we celebrate the baptism um, and just that step of faith that the person takes. So I was um, getting baptized, you know, they did this whole thing where everyone prayed with me and they prophesied over my life. And what was significant for me is, it's like, um, you know, as they were praying over me, I remember this one girl, Christelle, she prophesied a word over my life of something to the, to the effect of she sees Joshua over my life and just the courage and the boldness that, he's, that he walks into and there's something of that and you know, being sort of a new Christian, uh, that sounds great. I'll take that promise any day. And so, um, sort of, you know, a lot of, a lot of other things were shared, and uh, years went by, and I, you know, sort of forget about the words. I wrote them down, which is a good sort of thing to do when people prophesy. So, so I wrote this word down, and about a year or two, I was going through my stuff, and I found this word again. And as I was reading through it, the Lord, I felt the Lord st- starting to speak to me about it. And he, he started to reveal how over the past decade he was actually busy establishing a lot of that word in my life. And a lot of my calling sort of can, can be linked directly to that word that they gave me the moment I got baptized. Um, and so, so for me, it was a thing of, you know what, I just gave my heart to God. There was, I could feel something change. Again, you don't know. Now I know it's Holy Spirit and, you know, there's this new life. Um, and I could feel something is different. And for me, it, w- it was a no-brainer. I honestly felt like, you know what? In terms of salvation, Jesus did everything for me. And I experienced, I, I sort of took hold of it in that moment. In terms of the baptism, it was my step of faith, like saying like, Lord, I want to identify with you now. I'm sort of taking the stand saying, like, I want it to be public. You know, our, our faith should never be a private thing. It should be a public thing. And so if I can encourage you just with this thing, in terms of the whole baptism thing, because I, I, you know, I know how it is. A lot of people might have been saved. They might have given their heart to God, and they might have sort of prayed that prayer, but they might have not done the whole baptism thing. It really is. Um, you, you, you might wonder whether it's for you, whether it's not. I think Ron shared that scripture where Jesus said, the, you know, the last thing he said before he ascended into heaven was, go out into all the nations, meaning everyone, everywhere, it's for you. Um, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So the whole thing about baptism for me, it's, it's for everyone. It's in the Bible. 
If you don't know if you should do it, Jesus said you should, so that's the final authority. But the bottom line is my experience in that was this thing of, sure, man. I mean, Jesus is just so good. And, and there, there's been, been uh, the whole thing about baptism, it's been sort of a milestone for me that I can look back on. Um, those early years have been sort of up and down as, as they often are. And it's always been a thing of like, I remember who I belong to. It's a public thing. So people held me accountable. They spoke into my life because I took a public stand and I said, I'm aligning myself to you, Jesus. So, um, yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Barry. Why do we baptize? Jesus was baptized, our Lord, our disciple maker. Jesus taught and commanded it. The disciples and apostles were baptized and baptized believers. So we see that pattern in the scriptures. Who do we baptize? We baptize believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, right? So not, uh, that's why I showed that little picture in the, in the beginning. The reality is when you believe, then you can identify with Jesus. So we, we baptize believers. When do we baptize? After the person believes. Who can baptize? Any disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So some of you might be saying, I can't baptize. You have already been baptized. You're following Jesus. I want to tell you, you can baptize someone. All right? Um, it's not just for the pastors and the bishops. Or so where do we baptize? Where there are water and witnesses. All right? So every time with the baptism, we see that there, it's, a, it's a declaration of your identification with Jesus and so in the Bible, you see that they always had, they say, where two or more witnesses are, a matter shall be established. All right? That's why even with, when you get married or when you have certain contracts that you sign, there's always a witness because there must be somebody else that vouches, say, yes, it happened. Yes, that's. So the church gets the opportunity and we say, yes, that one gave his life to Jesus. Yes, that one identified with Jesus and he is now part. And when he or she starts to, ah, oh, I don't know if I belong to Jesus or if I'm still saved. No, man, you were baptized. You identified with Jesus. We say yes. All right, so, and obviously where there's water. Now, it does happen that at times there are very little water. In some countries, it is extreme. It can then be any kind of water, spray bottle or whatever. That, that's, it, the, the aim is it's a, it's a symbol but it's also a prophetic statement. And so we are saying where there's water and witnesses. How do we baptize? Through immersion. You go under the water, if at all it's possible. The word means to dip, to submerge, and to immerse, to overwhelm. We jokingly say, is when we, when we have our rusk, you drink your in the coffee. You drink your fingers in the coffee and make so not. I don't so. I'm a bit stuck. But they doop them. They sit them on it. And that's when we, when we baptize, we go under the water. And we, it's a sign of that you have been buried with Christ. You are raised with Christ. So why not? Here's the big rock of a, or one of the rocks of offense. It's such a simple thing. Why do I have to do that to show that I'm a Christian? Because 
God said so. My story is I got born again. I was in high school, and it was clear that the Lord took my life. I, I, I knew that he, he saved me. And I was so overwhelmed by his grace and his goodness that I even said, I don't even have to read the Bible. I don't even have to be baptized. I am born again, and I'm going with, to heaven. That was my conviction or so. So for two years, I walked around, and I had all the different arguments why I should not. And I already was baptized when I was a little baby, and my parents were faithful to their, uh, to their commitment and so on. And one night, I was at a church. The preacher was preaching, speaking about baptism. And I was, it was, yeah, I think standard nine. I was, what, 17, 17 or 18, matric or so. And as he was preaching, I by that time already knew that God was going to use me in some kind of vocational ministry. I would probably be part of leading ministry or going to the nations as a missionary or something like that. That was, I, I, I didn't have the whole picture, but I knew I was going to work in such a way. And he was preaching, and he's preaching about the, the baptism. And I started thinking, I know that someday I'm going to have to baptize people. But I'm not baptized. So the commission, go into all the world. I believed in that. So much that I didn't do it. Huh? So if I want to go and do that, I must live it. And my first step was actually just like, I can't tell people to do something and I'm not doing it. And so I went. And that church was a large church. There were about 180 people, I think, that got baptized that night. So in some sense, you kind of get lost in the numbers. But I tell you, when I walked out there, we went to a coffee shop with some friends. Something clearly changed in me. I didn't have a, a, a big emotion but my heart was settled. It felt like a block was put into my life, built into. And some things that were just like up and down in my, I, I, it's, it's a bit difficult to explain. But I just knew that I knew that God did something. And as time went on, this aspect of the baptism and this picture of his death and resurrection became fuller and more to me. That I'm like, oh Lord. And I look back at it, almost like last week when we planted a flag. We said, this is like we're standing. Here we are. We're planting that flag so that people can see. It's a visible thing. Baptism for me was planting, like a planting a flag. Say, I'm it. I'm in. And it wasn't just for me. It was for all those around me. That's why it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a a public declaration. I'm going to read you the last little bit here. Just of how some other religions see baptism. Within Islamic settings, Muslims equate baptism with salvation. Seekers from Islam investigating a relationship with Jesus Christ can explain away many of their activities. If they discovered reading the Bible, they can claim they are studying it in order to debate Christians more intelligently. If they're seen sneaking into a church building, they can excuse such behavior in the same way. If seen talking to a pastor or some Western Christian, seekers can suggest that they were simply observed 
wit witnessing, lifting up their attribu the attributes of Islam. But they can't explain away baptism. There is no acceptable excuse. Muslims believe that at baptism, a person no longer belongs to Islam, but to Christianity. They have left one community and joined another. The local community says that when converts are baptized, they have left Muhammad and joined to Jesus. At baptism, persecution soars because identification with Jesus is real, irrevocable, and forever. Baptism is the point of no return. Now I ask you, if other religions see baptism so strongly, why don't we? Why not? Come, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word says that you make wise the simple. And I know it's by your word. We can't argue our way into heaven. We can't argue or have eloquent words to make more of you, Lord. We, we can just obey you. And this morning, as we sang about people bowing the knee, that we want to bow our knee, Lord. I pray that we would be a church that bows the knee, that obeys you. And I pray for every single person here for courage, Lord, to follow you. Even in the insignificant or seemingly insignificant things. You would enable us to help others follow you, Lord Jesus. And so first of all, I want to ask if there's somebody that throughout this morning you want to it's not about baptism right now. It's about just giving your life to Jesus. You saw Daniel. Daniel, you saw, hey, I don't have to be all perfect to come to Jesus. And you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to surrender and bend your knee to Jesus. Is there anybody like that? You want to do that for the first time and make right with God. If you can just lift up your hand, maybe I can just. Okay. Then secondly, I know this is maybe the one where some of you have been either offended, encouraged, but you feel like Barry, maybe you were struggling with the courage to, to respond, but right now you can say, hey, Barry said to that. Ruan had that. But I, I, need to, I need to respond to Jesus. I need to be baptized as a believer. Maybe your parents made a, a, a promise to God. And we're not, we're not denying that they, they promised Jesus in, in sincerity. We don't want to make less of that. But what we do want to say is that you've got to make your own step. You've got to identify with Jesus. Is there anybody like that, that after listening to the scriptures, saying, hey, I need to be baptized? You want to get, okay, amen. Good one. Anybody else? All right. So, Lord, we thank you for obedience. And we want to bless her, Lord. Bernadette, do you just want to put your hand maybe on her shoulder there? 
Lord, I pray that courage shall come to follow you all the way out. That even today, as she draws a line, Lord, that it would be a sign to everyone that she's a follower of Jesus wholeheartedly. We bless her, Lord. We rejoice with her. Amen. Amen.